0: Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland.
1: All right, Tony, it's that time again. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing well,
2: so all things considered. Though 2021 isn't quite the year that we hoped it would be, right?
1: Yeah, just amazingly, as soon as the clock ticked uh, to midnight, all our troubles didn't vanish. Uh, we had even more, more coming. So uh, you guys got any snow up that way yet?
2: We don't, so maybe that would have been not one nice thing for the year to be able to play in the snow. But instead, nope, just cold. How about you?
1: Yeah, we've had a little cool here. We actually on Christmas Day there was, or it was projected that there was possibility of snow in a neighboring town. So there's going to be like a a mass, uh, you know, gathering there in this little town called Edgefield. But uh, from what I hear, the snow did not come. So that would have been uh, that would have been cool, especially down here in the south to have a a white Christmas. But no such uh, no such blessing
2: to show how the world is turning upside down almost literally <laughs> actually my uh my brother-in-law da- my wife's younger brother uh he lives in texas now uh and uh they got a good bit of snow in texas uh and uh, n- not even like north texas either and yet you know a maryland green grass and nothing else
1: you know that's right. I did hear about the uh, the Texas snowstorms; they're having to like put people in shelters. Uh, it's just it's wild. Uh, but Tony, speaking of mass gatherings, 2020 uh, saw a number of those, uh, a lot of demonstrations and things, and then it was a presidential election year, and so that can bring gatherings uh, for various reasons. And just this past week, we're recording this on what the 14th of January. Uh, just last week, we saw a mass gathering. Uh, that has been in the headlines since then. And uh, yesterday, the president was impeached for an historic second time. Uh, And so that is what we want to talk about, not so much giving our views on that, but helping our kids, helping our young people, uh, both in our own home and in our churches, to take in these things and discipling them through all that's going on. Um, So, Tony, I mean, do you think, First off, should we even talk with our kids about current events in in the news headlines?
2: I do, but by the way, speaking of you know current events, I do want to say it is strange, like because you know the, we're recording this not that long before it's going to go up, but uh, obviously you know we couldn't have predicted the uh, comet that will have struck uh, hit the Earth in between our recording and uh, it coming up with how twenty twenty one going. <laughs> so or,
1: or that dinosaur. Uh, place, you know, the frozen cells or something.
2: Yeah, they're coming back and everything. So, yeah. No, we we never uh, were able to anticipate, you know, New York City would be overrun by aliens and dinosaurs at the same time and fighting it out in the middle of Manhattan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the New York Knicks won the NBA championship. Exactly. Um, uh,
2: Yeah, I, I think we are discipling them to be Christians in their present. So we should absolutely talk with our kids about current events in uh, news headlines. Uh, I, I think we should have discretion on what to talk about, of course. You know, the reality is I don't think that most parents of an 8-month-year-old would talk about the stock market each and every day or things like that. Uh, but uh, the reality is they will hear about some of the big things, even when uh, young, if they don't. I mean, I know of, you know, a parent trying to avoid talking about some of the election stuff, for example, with their kids. And immediately after the election, you know, there was some talk about it among very, very young kids at school the next day. So, you know, we can't avoid this kind of stuff. What do you think, though, Ben? <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I think in broad terms we should uh, because kids are going to become aware of it. Whether they're seeing the news on or being discussed in our home, they're going to hear it, especially like this year with uh, all that has gone on with COVID, with uh, the racial justice issues, uh, protest riots, all that came with that, and uh, then – with the election and just all that that goes with an election and particularly this one. I actually heard a funny story yesterday. Uh, Hannah, who my intern and extraordinaire and she uh, edits uh, about half of these podcasts. So shout out to Hannah. Um, She is in school in the education department and she was doing some stuff. I don't know. I don't know what they call it, but something at the school wasn't student teaching. And she heard these pretty young kids, I think second grade talking and, You know, it's kind of country. And one boy was uh, saying that, uh, he said, you know, Biden's going to take our guns. And the other boy said, no, he's not. And he said, why not? He said, because he's going to die. And he said, why is he going to die? He goes, because he's old. And so, you know, these are things these kids are picking up from somewhere. And these, you know, second graders, whether they're on the playground or in their classroom or something, they're yeah. discussing these things. And so, I don't think we have much option. Like you said, we, we're we're living in our present, and so um, we need to help them to be able to process those things. So, big picture, yes, we should talk about these things, but how should we go about discussing uh, current events in general? And um, are, are there specific things that you think we should aim for or specific things to avoid?
2: So that's a great question. Uh, I, first off, I'll list kind of some things I think that we should avoid uh, in doing it. I think we should Absolutely avoid the kind of the all is lost, the world is going to heck in a handbasket kind of attitude uh, that I think we often can have, you know, whether on the left or the right politically in these kind of times. Uh, and I think we also should avoid a kind of tribalism that I think unfortunately characterizes sometimes Christians uh, in America far more than <laughs> unity in, in the church. But uh, and I'll also I'll add. Instead, we should aim for kind of a, a strong hope of Christ's work now and in the future. And we should aim for uh, teaching our kids about the current events with a compassion for the hurting. E- even, you know, the hurting that we disagree with, even the hurting that we think, for example, are doing something illegal. I think we should always um, that be compassionate towards others and gracious as we present the, the events of the world to our kids. What do you think, Ben?
1: I like that. Um, I think we want to be calm. And as rational as possible. And sometimes we'll see things that just there is a visceral response to it. But um, I think we want to try to maintain uh, as much composure as possible. Uh, because if our kids see us ranting about whatever it is, or, you know, the world's just, it's all over kind of thing, um, they're, they're taking that in. And uh, I think, in In general we want to help them to see things through the lens of scripture or in other words what god says about the world and that doesn't mean that there's a bible verse for every news headline or that you can always just you know connect but there are bigger picture things um i think we want to help them not just passively take it in yeah uh, but to to consider things critically and to ask questions uh how how is this Uh, outlet how is how are they telling the story are there things or perspectives that they might be leaving out Uh, or does it seem like there's an agenda one way or the other Uh, because various sources are going to be more or less uh, biased some are pretty good at being objective and neutral Uh, some they don't even really make a, a pretense of it they're not trying to um Trying to distinguish between fact and opinion, and anyway, that's that's fallen on hard times these days. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot there, and hopefully, we'll flesh some of that out as we go. Uh, well, so Tony, how about these specific events that are in the headlines? You know, right now, January fourteenth, twenty twenty-one, uh, and the stories surrounding the response to the election, the I guess we call it the storming of the Capitol, and. Uh, the the things that continue to unfold
2: yeah it's a great question, and I think a really, really important one, even though some of our listeners, by the way, are in other countries. Uh, uh, but I, I still think it's timely for everyone. But I want to preface that by saying, you know, I'm confident that what we say today in this, uh, you know, any listeners, uh, both Ben and I, you know, what we're going to be, how we're going to respond into it, how we're going to encourage you guys, has nothing to do with, you know, political hot takes. And that shouldn't be what we do as, as parents at all. Uh, it should be biblical principles. Uh, Biblical principles that kind of might uh, prick our own hearts and conscience, but also might reveal, you know, the errors of the world around us. And, uh, you know, I, I think we as... A Christian leaders should always be careful with this kind of thing. And uh, I will say for myself, I know, and I, I know you, We, I don't really give political positions, you know, apart from what Scripture is clear on. And I, I don't think I know almost any Christian that knows, for example, my political positions on taxation, and I wouldn't care for any Christian to really know that because it's not in the Bible. Uh, but <laughs> I just want to, I think it's important to preface it for any re- listeners today. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say for this, I would talk about what's been going on with a one-year-old. You know, There are certain things I would talk uh, with more as kids get older, but I I think you have to talk about what's been going on right now. Uh, I will say, uh, in general, for talking about what's been going on with the storming of the White Capitol, uh, not the White House, the Capitol building, and the election, I, I think we should never insult people or assume motives of, uh, of anyone involved, uh, including our political leaders. I, I think that we should be willing to point out the errors, even with our kids, within our own tribe first. I mean, the Bible says judgments begin in the household of God, and, and the need for the church to be better than the world around us, and the failures, I think, uh, of us to do that. Uh, Then I'll add lastly to that that everyone I think has strong thoughts on this. Uh, So we need to talk about this ASAP or with this kind of thing uh, they really will be shaped by the world around them, by those, you know, in their school, by their friends, uh, by their friends. Mm-hmm. Parents, in a lot of ways, might disciple your kids or not. And while we do so, I think we, we pray for we should be praying for uh, President Trump. Actually, when this is posted up, uh, uh, Joe Biden will uh, be inaugurated as president of the United States. So we'll be praying for President Biden then for listeners, president elect at the time we're recording.
1: Yeah, all, all good points. Um, I, we just can't escape talking about these things. And like you said, if, if you don't, then your kids' friends and their parents will be discipling, and, and you don't know, uh, at least in a lot of those cases, the kids in their class or the – you don't know where they're coming from. Um but there are things that, that we can learn from this and uh, help our kids to process through. So what are some lessons and some biblical tr- truths that we can draw out or we can see demonstrated in recent events as we try to walk our kids mm-hmm. through all that's happening?
2: I'd love to actually hear kind of some of your thoughts on that first. I know you are a very even keel and level-headed and, and biblically minded with these kind of things.
1: Um... Well, I'd say first, be careful who you associate with. Um, I think regardless of – there's all sorts of stuff and reports and conspiracies of who started the events. I don't know, and I wasn't there. Uh, I don't like big crowds Uh, Anyway, um, (laughs) I I just get nervous in big crowds. um, And here's a good reason not to go to a big crowd. Uh, But I think many people probably showed up that day that did not intend on – Acting in the ways that they ended up acting or being uh, a witness or a participant in some of the things that happened and they just got caught up in a mob. I've never been in a mob. I was talking to a friend the other day about this stuff, and he said that he went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill for college. And uh, when while he was there, they were not ranked in basketball but they were playing Duke, who was ranked. Maybe Duke was maybe even number one. And they beat Duke at Duke's home court. And so all the, the Tar Heel fans, the students, went crazy mm-hmm. after the game. And they, like, spilled out into the streets. And he said there was just this energy, and it was like, we've got to do something. Now, my friend didn't do this, but they, they actually set a car on fire um, wow. because their school won a basketball game. Um, and so this – you know, I think people – Again, we just have to be careful who we're associating with, and uh, there were folks out there waving uh, messages that definitely don't go in line with biblical ideals, um, and people who were carrying Jesus banners and stuff who were involved in this. Um I think another thing, things will not always continue as they are, just ticking on one day after the next. And I think 2020 has just shown us this, how much life has been altered. Um, but the stability that we have enjoyed in the West and in the United States, um, that – it was you know, a little sobering to realize, wow, um, things that brothers and sisters and, and people in other countries um, that have not enjoyed that level of stability, they, they've experienced this kind of stuff often. Um, I was reading an article just the other day about uh, – I think it was Kenya and how for the last you know 20 years or so, I mean pretty much every election is contested, and there can be riots and tear gas and this kind of thing. Um, but don't – we can't just assume that things will just continue on as they are. Um, we can't put our hope in the government or in, in the government's stability. And uh, another thing, ideas and leaders can be very influential, and so – uh, we need to be careful about the, the thoughts we think and um, attach ourselves to and uh, who who we're listening to and, uh, you know, the effects that they may be having. So,
2: yeah, th- uh, that's those are some great points. Uh, some actually passages and biblical truths that stuck out to me. Uh, that uh, were kind of a variety of both Old and New Testament. But one thing, uh, when he asked this question, it came to mind actually something I had seen on uh, social media being uh, encouragement for believers, actually by Simon Camilleri, who's been on the podcast before and will be on the podcast, the following podcast after this. Uh, Lord willing, assuming we don't have to change up the order by any stretch. So uh, but anyway, so uh, and that is uh, he shared Daniel two twenty through twenty one. And I don't want to read that. Daniel answered and said, "Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons, removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge of those who have understanding." So I, I think it's so important to see God's sovereignty. And the setting up of our little tiny politics, you know, that we feel like is so huge, but God is truly King, and you know, our our politics in twenty twenty one don't really matter that much compared to the sovereignty of God. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think that's an important thing to see. Uh, we can draw out in that I, another one I want to say is deeply relevant, and this might you know some flack is uh, is the idea of dishonesty in the Bible. And how disaster it can be. I think of Proverbs sixteen twenty eight, 28. Uh, and there's so many other Proverbs that talk about the danger of dishonesty. And what really, really saddens me is that I think that there's been a lot of Christian, even Christian leaders, that have seen like character issues and dishonesty, lies even, as not like societally having an impact. Uh, you know, as like you can dis- you can separate lies from you know policy in that kind of way, and and how we set the mood of a country. But in reality, I think. Christians have gotten swept up in dishonesty and lies, and in a lot of ways, I think that this reminds me of, and the Bible, you know, the uh, th- that the desire of the Israelites for Saul, you know, they, they wanted somebody to give them power, and they didn't really care, you know, if he had a lot of integrity, and if he was honest, and if he, you know, if he was upright, and uh, because... The character is contagious. A uh, character is mm-hmm. reflects in a whole society. I think is a biblical truth to keep in mind. And then, lastly, I'll say um, Romans one. Uh, we've seen this. I, I think it's hard to not uh, to not identify man's depravity when watching the news lately. Uh, Actually, I I want (laughs) to say with Romans in general, uh, Russell Moore has a really great article in responding to this from a very strongly Christian perspective, a biblical perspective, where he actually goes through Romans uh, to understand this and to kind of correct some of our political idolatry. And I want to highly, highly recommend it. And I'll actually put that. Is it okay if I put it in the show notes, Ben?
1: Yes, I have not read it. My wife read it and said it was very good, and I think she shared it with my sister, and she said it was very good, so I trust them and Fair. trust you. So, Yeah, I think those were some excellent things uh, to to bring into the conversation. Uh, taking just a little step further or maybe even just widening out, um, are there any other biblical passages or themes that are just kind of go-tos or foundation uh, foundational to dealing with all this that, that you didn't mention that you would want to add?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think of uh, of a couple different passages. You know, I, I thought that you know there's really a different angle to the that both uh, this question, and the previous one, kind of have a kind of different angles of biblical passages to me in this. Uh, and one thing I think parents should turn to as they disciple mm-hmm. their kids uh, is a passage like Matthew seven twenty one. It talks about you know knowing Christians by their fruit. There's a ton. I mean, you read through James and it shows how you know not everyone who Uh, claims to be a Christian, truly is a Christian. And I think that's something we need to navigate with our kids because this means not everyone who's waving a Christian flag uh, is truly saved. Instead, we actually know who's saved by their fruit, uh, by their actions over their life. That doesn't mean that somebody, no, everyone who uh, waves a Christian flag and does something dumb is not a Christian. Uh, but it means that uh, we need to protect our kids from, you know, kind of discounting the faith because you know the faith is about insurrection right now. Uh, and uh, and another one I want to bring up is. For actually, the verse that's kind of the verse for our youth ministry is First Peter two eleven. Uh, mm-hmm. Beloved, I urge you as soldiers and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And here, as throughout all of First Peter, Peter teaches us, uh, you know, that we are aliens of this world. This is not our home, and we don't fight to take back a place that we are alien to. And that needs to be taught to our kids. It needs to be instilled in our kids because this is worldliness—the mentality of you know, of fighting to take back a place as if like there was like some glorious Christian America that never actually existed in truth. Uh, and lastly, another Matthew passage is Matthew 7:13 through 14, uh, and, and I think this is shows us that Christianity will always be the narrow path. Uh, and this, again, relates to what I just said before. So there's never been a saved nation. Uh, and I think we need to help our kids understand that because I think so much of the politics have been intertwined with religion, but I think a corrupted religion right now. What do you think, Ben?
1: Oh, I thought those are some good takes. Like, I think you're careful to say, yes, you can wave a Jesus flag and you can do some things that are foolish and sinful and still be a Christian I mean, you need to repent. It's unfortunate that... It, I mean, I don't know anything about the souls of the people that were doing that, Um, but it's really bad when it's you know available for many, most of the world's population to see you running around uh, doing that. Yeah, those things just don't need to be intertwined. Um, Some of the things that came to mind for me, uh, you mentioned Daniel earlier, but just a few chapters later in Daniel four, where Nebuchadnezzar is has this dream and he's going to be humbled and the lord comes through on it and he humbles nebuchadnezzar he's out there living as an animal in the field uh uh, for a number of years and then uh he does humble himself and god raises him back then in chapter five you see the lord showing up and he does the the writing on the wall and the kingdom is given over uh, to the Medes and the Persians. And so just this, uh, this pride that both of them had. And um, things change quickly. And so God is in charge of, like, like the uh, passage in 220, he, he sets up kings and he brings them down again. Uh, Isaiah, I'm teaching through Isaiah uh, in a class at church right now, and so it's, it's very much in my mind. But in chapter 8... Uh, verse twelve, the Lord tells Isaiah uh, that he's supposed to tell the people, "Don't call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, be your dread." Goes on, uh, you know, to to trust in the Lord, and. Then in chapter 10, he talks about the, the coming judgment that is coming on Israel by the hand of the Assyrian army and the Assyrian king. And uh, the Assyrian king, though, the Lord knows, is, is, he, even though he is being used as God's instrument, he doesn't see it that way. He, see, he boasts in his pride of how uh, strong and mighty he is, and it says, you know, should the axe boast itself over the one who wields it? Um, And so the Lord is going to turn around and then judge this sinful king. Uh, The book of Obadiah sort of picks up on a similar theme where Obadiah just can't – he's just stunned that God would use a sinful nation worse than Israel, in his opinion, to come and judge them. And then God helps him – causes him to understand that then he will turn and and then judge the one he uses Um, and – you know Obadiah's response is to in in the end trust the Lord, and, and there's just those all those things help paint a picture that we are not we don't see everything that's going on, and we can't try to connect all the dots. And you know some of the, the conspiracy theories that are out there it kind of makes us see that feel like we see the big picture and connecting all these uh, these shreds of information, and um, we're we just don't have that level of knowledge. Um, and so just remembering that God is in control and um, we are not, and we can be faithful citizens, which does not include violence uh, towards others in almost every situation. I guess you could come up, if we talked long enough, maybe you could come up with a, a few exceptions, but um, those just pressed in on my mind. Well, Sony, how can parents help, how can we as parents help our kids navigate the tensions and the anger and the fear Disinformation, uh, conflicting accounts of of things, and just all the soap opera that that's going on um, with the the current events and the the drama surrounding it. Uh,
2: I'll say first off, I think we really need to investigate where our kids are with at with this, uh, and it's easy to kind of just talk over them with it. But I mean, really talk and and feel them out. As you know, I even know of a case where. A young child is kind of battling anxiety through this. Uh, but I think this is honestly a great time uh, to focus on praise. And and that's not to say we don't think about or, or talk about what's going on. Uh, but I think when we get just absorbed in these moments and forget who our God is, then we have wrong reactions to it. Uh, But I think if we couple that understanding uh, with, you know, praise of the attributes of God, singing holy, 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 and things like that, I I think it helps uh, us to realize, you know, this is just a a fading moment uh, that God is sovereign over, like all other moments, that then teach them to test everything and not get caught up in the misinformation that's around them. Because there has been a lot of misinformation uh, surrounding these times, and I think it is deeply unfortunate when Christians are not those thinking critically. I love how the Apostle Paul really elevates uh, the Bereans because the Bereans, you know, were checking even what he said with Scripture. Uh, But I think sometimes Christians uh, can raise their kids uh, under a discipleship mentality that, you know, if those who hold my political persuasion say something, we're just going to agree with it. uh, And we're not going to Mm -hmm. question anything at all. Uh, and that is deeply unhealthy, and I think it will lead our kids to spiritually cancerous paths. Uh, I, and what, uh, th- lastly, yeah. I'll say to this, uh, I was actually talking to somebody about, you know, who's struggling to navigate for themselves how to kind of get through this. And, and I'd encourage them, uh, and I maybe I should encourage my own family, to read Revelation uh, and mm-hmm. may, yeah, maybe do that as a family. I, I think this somewhat assumes that we don't treat Revelation as some kind of magical book about uh, future events that are going to that, you know, left behind-ish. Uh, but rather, Revelation was intended to show God's sovereignty over the church age and over the future. And I think if we read that, it can be hopeful through all this chaos.
1: Yeah, Revelation, I, I just finished reading it in my Bible reading plan uh, for last year. And so uh, just seeing big picture, again, regardless of how you – because I think you and I would have some differences, um, though neither one of us would take the, the view that you were describing. Um, but yeah, you see that God is in charge of history, and he will he will bring his church through. Yeah, I mean the only thing I would add is to ask questions and examine your sources of information critically um whether that's mainstream media social media i heard whatever it is uh and i think too we don't necessarily have to dive too deep into all the the narratives that are coming out of this to find out exactly what happened um i don't think any of us are writing a book on it or um we're not in i mean unless you're in law enforcement and you're having to look at prosecution in the- of, of people who committed crimes, um, we're not going to be able to undo anything that happened or directly fix it. And so, having to read every story that's, that's coming through the headlines about it and, and everything you see on uh, social media and, and uh, all the rest, um, you know, it may not be the most fruitful use of your time. You've got a general sense of this is what happened. We can be praying for it. But um, I don't know. Would you agree? Yeah,
2: I'd agree. And I think maybe even one practical step, especially if you have older kids, is to do something that I was kind of encouraged to do when I was a young Christian. Uh, I had a teacher in high school, uh, at a Christian high school I went to uh, at the end, and he had kind of encouraged everyone, you know, when navigating an issue that they feel strongly about, that other people feel strongly the other way, actually to uh, do their best to present the a perspective of the other person in the best possible light, and I think when you do that, and Christians would call that empathy, uh, you know, and compassion. And I would say, you know, if you're if you and your family or even your kids are blasting people as dummies in social media from the other side, you know, uh, in this horrible rhetoric, maybe do your best to research what the other person actually believes, especially if a lot of them are Christians and. Even maybe write an article presenting the best possible version of their case, and maybe it will give you some humility or correct you.
1: That's a really good point, and and even if it doesn't change your perspective, it does help you ask questions that you would not have previously asked, and go, "Okay, well, I mean, I can see why people that disagree with me may, you know, line up here, and okay, that's that's not they're not crazy now." I mean, again, I think maybe you can find some exceptions, but um, but yeah, in general, almost always, that is a good thing to do. Um, I
2: suspect if you do that, you're less likely to call somebody you disagree with a snowflake or a fascist.
1: Well, Tony, how can churches equip parents to deal with these kinds of things at home?
2: Yeah, so one thing that I think is deeply important. Uh, that we can just assume or forget about in these kind of things. I, I I think that Christian leaders, and, and listen if you're a Christian leader, we need to spend probably more time than normal praying for them uh, during this time and praying for their conversations that they're going to have. Uh, I think that's something that needs to be emphasized, that I need to do more right now because the task that parents have is undeniably hard. Uh, I I would say also we should send resources like that Russell Moore article. Uh, David French is a really good response a lot of this kind of stuff that might be able to be passed on. Uh, and, And then I'll say that we can prepare them. By, lead, uh, by leaders avoiding the us-versus-them mentality, and I think that means in all capacities. I, I think sometimes Christian leaders in churches, uh, Christian leaders in every capacity, can actually set an example that in us-versus-them, you know, we're, we're out to win a war, a cultural war against the bad guys. Uh, is is a great thing to have uh, the, that is so deeply unbiblical and we need to fight against that because if we don't fight against that our uh, that those in our church, the parents in our church uh, are far less likely to do so. What do you think though, Ben?
1: I think that we in, in our churches can just do some very practical steps uh, like give discussion guides, uh, talking and like you mentioned the prayer prayer points, uh, ways to, instead of just sitting about around and griping or venting or uh, being frightened or, or whatever emotional response we might have, uh, that we pour out our hearts to the Lord. Um, praying corporately for peace and, and other just praying biblical prayers, um, not partisan prayers, but biblical prayers. And don't talk foolishly publicly about it. Um, and obviously, you want to discourage private conversations uh, that, that flout foolishness, uh, but don't say things publicly uh, that, that could just help stir the pot. Satan thrives when there's drama, and uh, we, we don't need that yeah. in the Lord's family. Uh, so Tony, what do you think churches can do to help the the young people who are they're ministering to directly, uh, how can they help them walk through these events well?
2: Yeah, so one thing that we're trying to do, you know, I work more with teens than with children. I work with both, uh, but uh, I think we should have extended prayer time. Uh, even if it cuts into lessons right now, into other plans, you know, maybe into games. Uh, actually, that for us, you know, we kind of little late last night because of you know we, we. I thought it was necessary to pray together uh, for this difficult situation for our nation, for uh, Christians to be a good witness, uh, and uh, I think that we can also help by focusing more on jesus's sovereign rule than we have before and and i think to me this is as a christian leader these kind of things are such a rebuke to my failure to emphasize jesus's sovereignty enough uh and and maybe this can call us to do that more we should do this especially in those times more and then I'll also add: we should warn of the danger of the unsaved Christian. Uh, actually, there's a really good book on called "The Unsaved Christian" by Dean and Sir. We've been studying with some of our teens uh, this year, and one of the ones they point out are kind of the the God and Country Christian. And uh, I think when these things happen, when you know you get this kind of mob mentality, it's very very quick to uh, have this kind of. Uh, holding of hands of Christianity and partisan politics that actually all it does is kill true Christianity. And it gives false assurance to those who are not really saved and uh, it prevents our witness. And so we need to warn that this unsaved Christian mentality is deeply dangerous. It leads people to hell right now.
1: Mm. It's a good word. I, um, think it demonstrates why having a state church is not a good idea Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so um, and I mean just look at Europe and the state of the church now thankfully there are thriving churches there that you know the the Lord is still at work in Europe but I mean a number of church buildings have turned into you know nightclubs and uh-huh. uh, hostels and all kinds of things uh, because there's no one to come to them and You know, I I just I think you you and I are Baptists, and so uh, our tradition has has had a lot to say about that. Um, And yet, there are some though. It seems like almost like we want a a state church, Um, and it it is just a dangerous thing. The church and the state are not one, at least not in this age. Um, You know, one day Jesus will be king, and I don't know exactly what the arrangements will be, but we won't be voting at that point. So. Yeah, I mean, and I liked what you said. I think that was great to take time to pray with the students. And I would echo that again. I mean, pray specifically with the kids, pray biblical prayers, and uh, you know, keep preaching the Bible. And uh, I mentioned that article earlier that I read. It was uh, from a Kenyan pastor, and that was one of the things he mentioned about uh, as you pastor through a contested election. This was in the Nine Marks Journal from – I think in the fall, uh, but he said, as you do that, it will reshape the boundaries politics has erected and promote a peculiar unity, not around shared political viewpoints, but around deeper, more enduring truths. And I thought that was very well said. It just helps us to see the story of reality more clearly. Um, I think too, you know, if kids bring it up again, you're t- depending on the context, what you know of them, uh, their family kind of asking what they think before speaking to gauge and uh, just be measured in what and how much you say. I um, mean, you certainly don't want to get radically political and partisan, you know, calling for martial law or uh, get whether you think this was, uh, as I was preparing for this, the uh, Congress had not voted yet. They were just—they uh, had introduced articles of impeachment, but saying yes, we should impeach him. Um, again, those are judgment calls, and um, we are free to hold those opinions. But that's not your role in the church—to—to to spew those out. If you're a journalist, then you know write an op-ed and state your opinion. But if you're teaching and ministering to others in the church, that's not the place for you to—to to give all your your political uh, machinations in your mind about how we should handle this. Um, so, well, Tony, as we kind of bring this to a close, what might be at stake if we don't handle this well, just talking to our kids, th- this particular event, and just more broadly uh, as we move forward and we, if we don't help them to walk through these kinds of situations biblically?
2: Yeah. So I actually, I think in this case, my uh, my wife, I think, had a lot of wisdom. Uh, she, uh, you know, she is she doesn't post as much on social media, uh, and uh, you know, and for a variety of reasons. And she was worried if not that if she did not post in any sense a response to this, uh, when she does post in you know, the cute pictures of kids and whatnot, uh, that uh, what it will kind of mean for per- perpetuity. Uh, long term, you know, what our kids, you know, will look to or you know, the generation after that will see when and knowing that the Internet will continue to go on and they look back upon and see, you know, their grandparent, great grandparent said nothing in the midst of this crisis. And so I think I, I don't know that that means we all have to post something on social media by any stretch. Uh, but I think that our faith will look fake and not worth emulating if we don't uh, take a stand for what the scripture is. if we don't if we're not willing to critique uh, that which happens from a supposedly Christian angle, unfortunately. And I think that we will disciple them to be more serious about politics and Jesus. if we don't handle this well at all. I think a great deal of Christians I, I will disciple young people to be more serious about politics and Jesus based on what they're handling this now. And it saddens me deeply. I've, I've seen this with young people. I've seen this with young people that are far from a biblical faith, but, you know, hold to toe the line on what what biblically Christian people are supposed to hold in terms of politics. Uh, and I think we will also show our kids faithfulness is not worth the potential cost that we pay. And that's something I've been convicted on, you know, is that sometimes, you know, speaking to the idols of our era, speaking to the idols of the contemporary church, it's going to be costly. And it's it's hard sometimes, you know, knowing that you could lose friends, knowing that you could uh, be dismissed. Uh, but I really respect the Christian leaders that have shown that they might Fa- uh, face a cost, and they're willing to be bold. And if we don't do that, we're going to teach our kids and indoctrinate our kids that you know following Jesus isn't worth the cost. Mm. What do you think?
1: Beth? Those are some good words. Yeah, I mean, we can push kids away from the faith, or in some cases, encourage them on towards foolishness. And the the marrying of partisan politics in the faith when those allegiances, um, they, they're not supposed to be on the same level. You know, we, we have political opinions and things, judgment calls, uh, but that's not the same level. Uh, our commitment to Christ is to be on, you know, Jesus says, you know, we're to hate our father and mother uh, in comparison, essentially, to, to our love for him and our willingness to follow him. And I mean, th- those are really sobering words, we're not called to have that kind of allegiance to a political leader or a political party or set of ideas. So well thanks for for thinking uh, about this with me. And I appreciate you you actually suggested the topic. Um, and so I think it was very timely uh, that we just as pointed and as heated as some of these things are. And um, you know, there's still questions and it, these kinds of things definitely take wisdom. Uh, as we process it through ourselves and then how to help our children to understand and to perceive these things and to try to follow Jesus in the middle of it. So, uh, Tony, thanks again, and I uh, hope this is uh, beneficial to you and your family and your church. Thanks for listening.
0: Jesus is king, brothers and sisters. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.